On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Tonight on The Readout. Terrible experience. Uh, I came in, I was treated very nicely, but uh, it is what it is. I took a mugshot, which I never heard the words mugshot. That wasn't, didn't teach me that at the Wharton School of Finance. It's the worst humiliation of Donald Trump's life. The mugshot. Having to lie about his weight and having to comply with the law as laid down by Fani Taifa Willis. Also tonight, the usual suspects rushed to Trump's defense, vowing to investigate the investigators and threatening civil war. But we begin tonight with the defendant ID'd at the Fulton County Jail as P01135809. This is the real Donald Trump, not the fictional character millions of people have been led to believe in. This man has never been a billionaire. He never was a brilliant real estate developer. The master businessman seen on The Apprentice for so many years was a fiction, a creation of the show's producers, nothing more. But that fictional character was somehow able to hoist himself into the White House. And like many facades, this one was always going to crumble. Yesterday, those 22 minutes Trump spent going through the booking process in the Fulton County Jail must have been the worst humiliation of his life. And yet, even in that moment, he could not bring himself to let go of that fictional character, the man he wanted to be but never could. His booking record declared that PP113-5809A's weight was six foot three and his weight, uh, his height as being six foot three and his weight being 215 pounds. Not only would that put him nearly 30 pounds lighter than his disclosed weight at the time of his last official White House physical, it would mean he was nearly the exact same, he had nearly the exact same physical stats as heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali in his prime. I'm just going to let you decide if you buy that. And while the fictional character isn't real, the crime syndicate he put in place is very real. And the people connected to it are likely to pay the price. Their reputations, their careers, and even their freedom are on the line. All 18 of Trump's co-defendants have now surrendered alongside their ringleader. And remember, this is the man countless people believed in so much that they were willing to commit crimes on his behalf. More than a thousand people have been charged in connection with his attempts to overturn the 2020 election, which he lost. Many are sitting in prison right now, tonight, because in their rank idolatry, they raised him up as a false god. And now their golden calf has begun to melt away, revealing the cheap tin underneath. And as Trump made his way to the jail yesterday, I was reminded of the saying, it's not about the destination, it's the journey. Now, I can't say what Trump was thinking about as he made his way from Hartsfield-Jackson Airport to the jail. But his journey through Atlanta was spectacularly poetic. Along the route were multiple tributes to Georgia's own Jimmy Carter, 
a president often maligned in office but revered in his post-presidency and in history. For Trump, it's quite the opposite. He also had to roll through some of Atlanta's best-known, predominantly Black communities, passing through the neighborhoods housing HBCUs attended by some of the same Black voters he tried to disenfranchise. His journey with his fleet of SUVs did not take him past Tyler Perry's 200-acre movie studio, where surely he would have rather been visiting to attend a big party or a gala surrounded by celebrities, which is all he ever really wanted in life. It's where he thought he would end up, in fact. And not as the first former president in our country's history with a booking number and a mugshot. A mugshot that's been splashed across newspaper front pages, not just here at home, but around the world. Trump's humiliation yesterday would be a perfect ending to his reality show life. But the threat of the man behind this fictional character remains. Because there is the real chance that he could once again find himself behind the Resolute desk in the White House. Because at this moment, he remains the Republican frontrunner. Joining me now is Melissa Redman, law professor and director of the Prosecutorial Justice Program at the University of Georgia. Michael Beschloss, NBC News presidential historian. And the Reverend Al Sharpton, host of Politics Nation and the president of the National Action Network. Uh, three great people to talk to on this Friday. I'm going to go right down the middle and talk to you first, uh, Michael Beschloss, because I, I would like for you to um, set the sort of historical moment for us and how we should be thinking about this. For me, it was the karma, to be honest. It was him going through those black neighborhoods. It was him going past Jimmy Carter, you know, the, the sort of reverential monuments to Jimmy Carter. Um, and it was the fact that, you know, his whole facade and his whole bravado, you know, were completely trumped, if I could use that word, by the fact that he had to take that <laughs> booking photo. No matter how much he rehearsed, he still had to take it. Um, what, what to you is the thing that we should be thinking about? Well, I'd, I'd love to begin with a little bit more historical karma, and that is that for those who don't know, the Fulton County Jail is so appropriate that we've got the Reverend here tonight and Bernice King, because it's a huge moment in Martin Luther King Jr. history. October of 1960, he was leading a sit-in at Rich's Department Store in Atlanta. He was arrested by the local Atlanta authorities. They took him where else? An earlier building, but same place, Fulton County Jail. And they were threatening to take Dr. King to a much more notorious and dangerous Georgia prison. Mrs. King was terrified. She thought that her husband would never survive being thrown into that prison with its vicious and violent racists. And so John Kennedy's entourage made a call to the governor and the judge famously got Dr. King out. But what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is in 1960, this great iconic champion of human rights, of civil rights, of voting rights was being stopped in this jail so that he couldn't keep on his work expanding those rights. Here we are, 2023, a guy who's about as far as close to being the opposite of Dr. King as I can think of would be Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is the opponent of those civil rights and human rights and voting rights. And he proved that in what he tried to do in Georgia. Thank God he's being brought to justice. And where is it happening? The Fulton County Jail. You know, life has turned around. The cycle has turned. And as Dr. King, I think, would say, the arc of the moral universe 
may be long, but tonight it seems to be, at least in Fulton County, bending toward justice. Uh, you see, this is why it's great to have a historian friend <laughs> around. And also a real friend will also tease your later segment, because, yes, we do indeed have uh, Bernice King on the show tonight. So that th this is a real friend. And also my uh, my friend and, and big brother, Reverend Al Sharpton. This is a perfect place to bring you in because, yeah, there Love is it. so much resonance to this happening in Georgia, Rev. I mean, you, you know, you, you think about the fact that Georgia passed these laws uh, to do runoffs to make it harder for black uh, folks to get elected in that state. And yet Fonnie Willis uh, is here. She was elected. And because she was elected, this black woman uh, is bringing justice to Trump in a way nobody else was willing to do, including making him right. take a mugshot. Uh, and I want you right. to ruminate on that last piece of of what Michael Beschloss said, because I think it's a perfect place to come in. Donald Trump's supporters, including Marjorie Greene at, at all, who is, she represents a part of Georgia, are trying to use his booking photo as some sort of badge of honor and making their own fake booking photos as if they are like the civil rights workers in the 1960s who did have their booking photos as badges of honor because they were fighting to expand voting rights. These right. people think they can cosplay as that with Donald, with and for Donald Trump. So you, as a civil rights leader, Rev, I'm going to let you respond to that. I think that when you look at the iconic pictures of Dr. King or uh, Murchett, and those that fought in the civil rights movement and went to jail. When you look at Donald Trump's mugshots, aside from him trying to figure out how to pose and what he wanted to look like with everything that him and Brandon, you also have to look at what he is in the mugshot for. He's in the mugshot for trying to rob the votes of people that suffered and died to have that right to vote, that Dr. King gave his life for, that Mrs. King gave her life for. And I think as we remember the march on Washington, and we're in Washington having a march tomorrow, and we're here, Reverend Bernie's King, still my favorite preacher, going to be on your show today. And uh, Martin is here, uh, Martin III, and, and all of us remembering that dream, but fighting what we're dealing with today, all of which Donald Trump helped to try and pull back. Don't forget, affirmative action is mm -hmm. now still... Because Donald Trump stacked the Supreme Court, uh, we saw the uh, rights of, of LGBTQ people uh, stifled because of that court. So Donald Trump did a lot to wreck America, but he wrecked his life. He is the Wizard of Oz of politics. When we look behind the curtain, we found out the wizard wasn't a wizard at all. And that is what happened when we saw him pull up to the Fulton County Jail on yesterday. I thought about uh, James Brown, the Godfather soul, you know joy was like a father to me. His mm -hmm. favorite scripture in the Bible was the 37th Psalm. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, either be thy envious against the workers of iniquity, because they shall soon be cut down. God didn't give a date. The psalmist uh, David didn't give a date. He just said soon. And yesterday, as I watched him ride through the black areas of Atlanta to be booked and fingerprinted, and mugshot, I know that spoon caught up with Donald Trump. Amen. It's not Sunday, but you can get an amen for that. Uh, Melissa Redmond, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, to, sure. say, to stay on this same vein, there are two 
genuine heroes um, in this story of what happened in Georgia. And their names are Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, Shay Moss, her daughter. And they were among the few civilians. These are not elected officials. These were two poll workers. Some of the people we all know when we go to vote, we recognize them, they recognize them and say, hey, baby, every time they see you when you go to vote. They were those ladies, right? And they were not just thrown under the bus and attempted and accused by Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump of literally stealing the election in Georgia. They were then targeted. Part of the indictment here is a scheme by three people, including Kanye West's former publicist, to harass them and try to force them to take the fall for a lie. Let me play what they had to say during the January 6th hearings. This turned my life upside down. Um, I no longer give out my business card. I don't transfer calls. I um, don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want to go anywhere with my mom because she might yell my name out over the grocery aisle or something. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the president of the United States to target you. The president of the United States is supposed to represent every American, not to target one, but he targeted me, Lady Ruby. Melissa Redmond, can you just talk from the legal point of view of the importance of having brave civilians, people who don't have Secret Service protection and a fleet of limos, uh, to do their civic duty and stand up and tell the truth? Because they really are the reason, much of the reason that we are here today. Right. And it's important for citizens to take that responsibility seriously, because without people like Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss, we wouldn't have witnesses. They have to come to court without, as you said, the protection of Secret Service, um, without the protection of hundreds of thousands, millions of people behind them believing whatever they say to say, to point at the person who did them harm and say, this was the person that came to my home. This was the person that threatened me. This was the person that accused me of a crime and have the courage to do that. We see that a lot in prosecution with victims who are not willing to come forward. They kind of want to put the incident behind them and, and try to go on with their lives. So the fact that these two women are brave enough to put themselves in this situation to relive the trauma of what they experienced, not only in their testimony in the January 6th commission, but to the grand jury. And they're going to have to do it again at trial. They really have to be commended for having the courage to do that. Uh, let me ask you very quickly. Uh, there are speedy trial requests now, uh, Ms. Redmond. Fulton County Judge, uh, there's a trial date has been set for Kenneth Cheeseboro. That's his speedy trial request. It has been granted. Sidney Powell is now mm -hmm. also requesting a speedy trial. Um, what do you think that that will mean? Does that mean that we will actually get to see a, a televised trial that could actually be a preview to what we might see coming up for some of these other defendants, and including Donald Trump? That's exactly what it will be. Fulton County does allow cameras in the courtroom. I believe the media has already filed what we call Rule 22s um, to allow cameras, and Judge McAfee has accepted that or, or has allowed that. Um, and it will give not only all the country, but the other defendants, the co-defendants, yeah. a sneak peek at the state's case. Um, so we'll see. Um, the, the state still wants to make out that conspiracy, right? But the whole, um, the the enterprise. So a lot of the evidence that are mostly relevant towards the defendants who are not yet on trial will still be able to see that play out against the two that have filed the speedy trial demand.
Very quickly, uh, I'm going to one question each for Michael Beschloss and Reverend Sharpton. Uh, for you, Michael Beschloss, you have been one of the people pushing to see these trials televised. Could Georgia be giving us what we need in terms of seeing the evidence put on trial in front of the American people? Georgia should lead the way. You know, some of the most important civil rights struggles, as, as all of us know, took place in Georgia. And I was talking about Georgia in 1960. Did you know that Georgia went for John Kennedy by a larger margin than any other state in the United States? 65%. Wow. And they weren't doing it because they were for civil rights. These were basically racist white Democrats because African-Americans by and large could not vote. And they were saying to Kennedy, we're electing you to keep segregating the country. And, wow. you know, can I say one very quick note about the sure. march on Washington? Uh, yes. In the end, 1963, 60 years ago this weekend. And Rev, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing this weekend. Kennedy was afraid to attend the march on Washington. He was invited. It was across the street. But he was terrified it would seem too radical and it would hurt him politically. So he listened to Dr. King's speech, I Have a Dream, through an open window upstairs at the White House. And wow, underneath that is the platform, as those speakers were speaking, Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy, his brother, had a guy with a, with a little record player. And on the record player was a, a record of Mahalia Jackson singing, I've got the whole world in my hand. And the reason wow. for that was if Dr. King or someone else got too radical by their point of view, they were going to turn up the record player and blast Mahalia over the speakers and drown him out. That's how different the, the, the life was in <laughs> 1963. The lesson Amazing. is we don't have to fight for right ourselves. Amen. Okay, we are out of time, literally. But real quick, Red, before we let you go, you know uh, it's Trump. Do you think he's afraid? I think he's scared to death. He knows four cases. You have career criminals that don't face four cases at the same time. Scared to death. But he knows in his heart of hearts what he did. Yeah. And he's afraid now it will be brought out in court. There you go. Uh, Melissa Redmond, Michael Beschloss, the Reverend Al Sharpton, thank you very much. And you can join Reverend Sharpton for the March on Washington, a continuation tomorrow at the Lincoln Memorial. Go to nationalactionnetwork.net for more information. And up next on The Readout, Trump's allies are finding some, let's just say, creative ways to defend him after his latest arrest. But what they're not saying is even more revealing. The Readout continues after this. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Even after another arrest, this time with a mugshot, Republicans are rallying to Donald Trump's defense. From minimizing his alleged criminal scheme to suggesting danger is imminent. 
Jim Jordan's tortured defense of Trump continues, with his Republican-led House Judiciary Committee opening an investigation into the work of Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis. The once-normie Republicans are joining in with Elise Stefanik releasing a statement that partially said, quote, Trump is being arrested for rightfully challenging the results of the election, something he had the legal authority to do. So, okay, let's just entertain that theory for a second, shall we? Yes, sure, you have the right to challenge an election, but the part that's against the law is being the head of a criminal enterprise to overturn a presidential election, a small detail that Trump supporters disregard in their defense of him. But no one licks wounds quite like Trump himself. He returned to ex-Twitter for the first time since he was suspended from the platform after the insurrection to post his mugshot and the words, never surrender, just after he literally surrendered. Nothing like turning a perp walk into a primetime spectacle to raise money for your presidential campaign and your legal fees. Trump is not a victim, and certainly not a victim of a two-tier justice, criminal justice system, as he loves to claim. Trump and his co-defendants have been afforded remarkable deferences compared to ordinary Americans. I mean, who else gets this type of treatment while heading to jail? A notorious jail, mind you, with a history of overcrowding, inmate deaths, violence, and disrepair. A very different experience than a lavish motorcade on blocked-off roads, only to spend about 20 minutes there before heading back to Jersey on his private plane. Joining me now is Miles Taylor, former chief of staff at the Department of Homeland Security and the host of the podcast, The Whistleblowers, Inside the Trump Administration. And Michael Steele, former RNC chair, MSNBC political analyst and host of the Michael Steele podcast. Uh, Miles Taylor, I do want to start with you. You know Donald Trump. That bravado, the motorcade, all of that stuff. How scared do you think he really was in real life? I mean, I think he's terrified. I think I think fear is what's fueling this run for president. It's It's what he's doing to, you know, go back into the White House is try to protect himself, inoculate himself. And he's constantly joy feeling out those possible opportunities to use this run for the presidency to inoculate himself against justice. What I think is the scariest version of this, though, is not that somehow he's going to game the system during the course of running for president to keep these charges from sticking. What he's going to try to do is sow chaos, and he's going to try to do it potentially in the form of violence. And that would have sounded like a reckless prediction just a few years ago, but we've seen it Mm -hmm. time and time again, this trail of terror that follows the ex-president everywhere he goes. You were talking about it in the last segment with the intimidation of Georgia poll workers that led to the intimidation of the prosecutor, that led to the intimidation of the members of the jury who've since been doxxed. You can predict, you know, predict with very reasonable confidence that in 2024, he's going to try to incite violence to muck up the potential prosecution. And, and you're hearing it time and time again with his supporters talking about civil war. I was just on a Twitter spaces last night with a number of MAGA people because I wanted to see what they're saying. And you know what they were talking about, Joy? They were talking about civil war. They were talking about yeah. violence. And they're warning that if we dare use the justice system to prosecute this criminal, that they will engage in acts of violence. That's what's really scary about all of this. And the thing is, Michael, is that the the challenge that Trump is going to have is that what's empirically true is that the prosecution is making him less likely to get elected again. Right. I mean, the polling is very clear. There's a new poll that's out from uh, uh, um, I think it's Politico did a a poll or at least they're running the poll. And it says here, do you want the trial before the general election? Yes. (laughs) The majority of everyone, 89 percent of Democrats, 63 percent of independents, only a third of Republicans. Do you think Trump is guilty? 51 percent. Totally. 51 percent say, yeah, yeah, he's guilty. Only 14 percent of Republicans, but 53 percent of independents and most overwhelmingly Democrats. Should he go to prison if he's convicted? 
yes, 51%, I mean, 50% totally say he should go to prison, but 51% of independents are included. And there, all the other empirical evidence, no matter how much Tucker Carlson sucks up to him and all that stuff, is that most people actually think, yeah, he probably did it and he should go to trial and he should go to prison if he did it, which tells me that his chances of getting re- getting elected again are less and less and less as each of these trials goes forward, meaning his people are going to get madder and madder and madder, which means that we have a problem, even if the criminal justice system does its job and works. Your thoughts? We do have a problem. Uh, we've had a problem for a long time. We've had a problem which everyone failed to recognize in 2016. We have had a problem that everyone failed to recognize when Donald Trump got 8 million more votes than he did in 2016 and 2020. And we had a problem that after um, the 2020 uh, election, that he would begin to, to lay in place what would be necessary to get his way. So the polling uh, reflects now Americans having traveled through all that saying, yeah, he probably, if he did it, he should go to jail and be punished and all that. But here's the thing, that polling is not reflecting how people are gonna vote. Mm-hmm. And I hear all of, the, all of the noise, but you have polls out there showing that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are running closely together. I'm sorry, Joe Biden should be cleaning his clock if the American people really didn't want any more of this. And they weren't they weren't somehow um, intrigued by it. So I'm I'm holding my judgment um, on where the American people are uh, until I get a better sense and and some more clarity as to what they really think and feel about what's unfolding right now. Because there's a reason why Donald Trump was given that motorcade and why he probably insisted on it and why authorities in Georgia, um, you know, allowed it to happen. And that's because it plays into the narrative of the former president and now the victim. And I and I think that has more resonance than people really want to give credence uh, to. And we start we need to start doing that. Well, Miles, how do you think that that changes or doesn't change? Because this is going to be a televised trial and the Cheeseboro trial, you know, this trial's dates are already being set. So whether it's Trump going on trial or one of his associates going on trial, the evidence is going to be about him. How do you think that changes the dynamics here? Because the American people are going to be able to watch it, see it, watch it on TV. I hate to be such a pessimist also, but I've got to agree with Michael Steele on this, is I actually think in some ways, very perversely, this trial is going to fuel the narrative that Donald Trump has already started to seed. He's gonna use every moment of that trial to convince rabid supporters that somehow it's the weaponization of justice. And you know, I wrote about this in the book that I just put out. He wants to turn the United States government into a weapon. And he's telling us about the targets that he wants to go after if he wins the presidency again. Hell, he's even telling us what kind of ammunition he wants to use. He wants to use prosecutions against political rivals. He wants to use the spy powers. He wants to use regulations. He wants to use a Republican Congress. And every single moment that he's being held accountable by the justice system is going to be him saying, I should be doing this to them. And that's what's really, really scary about this is he's completely flipped the script about what justice means. And he said it himself. It's about retribution, not the rule of law. And he's replaced the rule of law with retribution. And Chairman Steele once told me something. It was a very good example. And I'm going to steal it from him. He said, look, and it's a very appropriate weekend to talk about this. We're, we're, We're celebrating the March on Washington. We're recognizing that moment in American history when black Americans who were denied their rights peacefully protested against this. 
And what did Michael Steele tell me? What happened on January 6th? A fat white guy was sad that he lost and his supporters stormed and ransacked the Capitol. You didn't see that during the civil rights movement. It is breathtaking to me the amount of radicalization that's happened in this country on the far right. And I'm worried it is not out of our political veins yet. It is still coursing through the system. Oh, absolutely. This is what law enforcement officials and extremism experts, they've said. They said Trump's taunts and broadsides against judges, prosecutors and witnesses are often not explicit. The statements could encourage some supporters to target those individuals with threatening or violent behavior. We've already seen threats against the president. We've seen threats against Judge Chutkin, uh, Michael. The threats are happening now, even if it's not a mass crowd of people like January 6th. It's individuals. And can can I put a big exclamation point on what you just said, Joy, because here's the thing. There are two things about Donald Trump that everybody needs to know, and Miles knows this. Miles knows this because he's worked with him, and I know it because I've worked with him. Donald Trump will always tell you what he thinks and what he what he wants to do, especially on that last part. Why? Because he doesn't think you can stop him. Right. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think he can be stopped. So he has no problem telling you, as Miles just laid out. Yeah, I'm about retribution and this is how I'm going to do it. And this is who I'm targeting, because you know what? You can't stop me Two, the thing to keep in mind about what's happening, what's not happening now. That Everyone seems to be like, well, I guess, you know, we're in a better space because Donald Trump has called for people to come out and no Mm -hmm. one's showing up. They've learned They've learned. They're not doing January 6th again, boo. Come on, y'all, wake up. They're not. They're not going to put it all on Facebook and have these open meetings and share their strategy. To Miles' great point, this is going to to hit us in lightning speed when we least expect it. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we have to stay vigilant. That's why we love having you Amen. all on to talk about this. Uh, scaring is caring. Miles Taylor, Michael Steele, thank you both. And still ahead, Republican extremism on reproductive rights, because they're doing that, too, will be a huge issue in the coming election. And the Biden campaign is doing everything it can to make sure voters know all about it. More next. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Earlier this week, the Republican presidential candidates in a debate on Fox News on Fox on Fox reiterated their determination to make forced birth the law of the whole U.S., I believe in a culture of life. I was proud to sign the heartbeat bill. A 15-week ban is an idea whose time has come. It's supported by 70% of the American people. We must have a president of the United States who will advocate and fight for, at the minimum, a 15-week limit. I am 100% pro-life conservative. Mind you, abortion has been on the ballot in seven states since June 2022, and in every instance, anti-abortion groups have lost. 
The Biden-Harris campaign has launched a $25 million ad campaign highlight, highlighting just how out of step Republicans are with the majority of Americans. Do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no, as a principle. Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. President Biden and Vice President Harris are determined to restore Roe v. Wade, and they will never allow a national abortion ban to become law. As long as they are in office, decisions about your body will be made by you, not by them. Joining me now, Susan Del Percio, Republican strategist and MSNBC political analyst, and Jay Jordan, comedian and writer on The Problem with Jon Stewart on Apple TV. Thank you both for being here, Susan. Let's talk about your party. Um, you've got all of yeah. those guys on the debate stage sort of bragging about the fact they want a national abortion ban. You have South Carolina's all-male Supreme Court under his eye doing a six-week abortion ban. You've got uh, uh, Glenn Youngkin trying to join the abortion ban caucus in Virginia, West Virginia judge uh, ruled the state can ban access to abortion pills, even though they're legal. I could go on. But the whole South essentially is now a, you know, womb slave state territory. There's nowhere that you can get uh, have bodily autonomy in the whole South. How are Republicans believing that they're not going to get wiped out on this issue next year? <laughs> I don't know, because they are certainly are going to get wiped out. It will be probably the number one issue, more so than even who Biden is and who Trump is, is that's the motivating factor to get people to the polls. We've seen it over and over. And it's going to be very interesting because that ad that you showed is running in seven states. One of them is Arizona, which happens to have an abortion initiative on the ballot next year. The other one is that it's not running in this state, but Joy, you and I talk about Florida an awful lot. I think it's worth them putting some money into Florida on this ad. The second um, Ron DeSantis passed the six-month ban in Florida, his popularity with independent women went to 39%. 69% disapprove of Ron DeSantis after coming off a win. People need to show up. We don't we can't see what happened in Florida um, in 2022. And I think abortion is that issue. And the Republicans deep down know it. I will tell you, as someone who did campaigns and did work with some conservative folks, they almost mm -hmm. hid by the fact, well, it's the law of the land. But I am, you know, I'm against abortion except for rape, incest and the life of the mother. And they felt that in moderate states they could get away with it. And they did. But now, no longer. You know, Jay Jordan, it is, a, it is a, a thing where Republicans are just doing opposite day. Most Americans want gun reform. They're like, we're against that. Uh, two thirds of Americans say abortion should be legal. They're like, well, we're, we're, we're going to make we're going to ban it. Uh, most people like books. They're like banning. <laughs> most people like history banning. It's, it is a strange position for a party to take. I think it's a through line that they've had for a very long time. First of all, Ron DeSantis knows someone who survived multiple abortions and was found on the side of the road, I guess. So that's also part of this <laughs> mythology that they're spreading. I think the other part of this is it's a through line of them attacking mothers. They say there's a culture of fatherlessness, but they're not addressing the fathers who are leaving these women with these children. It's so interesting that this is the part that they want to focus on. Also, Abortion has been settled. I feel like every time the American public wants to talk about it, we kind of have an answer. So that's why they have to pivot when they get to the national stage out of these primaries. They have to go, well, actually, I'm a bit more to the left on this topic. 
It, it is a strange thing. And, and, you know, you can go to Tennessee and the same thing uh, is true on guns, Susan. They literally removed women who had signs in a committee room where they allowed guns. You can bring a gun into the committee room to talk about gun reform, but you can't bring a sign. They had the police remove the women with the signs. There is a lawsuit. The ACLU has rule, uh, has did sue and a judge did rule that. No, no, no. The First Amendment also exists, not just the second. But that's where we are, Susan, is the Republican Party has said we will not allow you to even speak in silence with a sign if we want to allow guns in, you know, your, your kids to be shot down in fourth grade. Nothing you can do about it. Right. And that was following an, a mass, you know, a mass shooting in that state. And the Republican governor really wanted to put something on the books because he himself was affected by it, you know, trying to get some kind of gun safety there. But, Joy, the only thing I can say, see right now is that the Republican Party is doing everything when it comes to voting rights to stop people who won't vote for them to vote and, and putting in laws there. And they're yeah. going down such a narrow path. They can only fail. It, may, yeah. take, it Jay, may take another two years or four, but they're going to yeah. fail. Jay, I'm giving you the last word. And unfortunately, you get Vivek Ramaswamy. Sorry. Uh, he said <laughs> that Ayanna Presley and Ibram Kendi are the modern KKK because I, I don't even know if I can understand why they're the modern KKK, because I guess they want to do things for black people. <laughs> Your thoughts? I've never yes. met someone who has more tattletale energy than Vivek Ramaswamy. I've never seen anyone who looks like they were remind the teacher that we were supposed to have a quiz today more than him. He says he wants to get rid of fatherlessness, but you know what's going to take you away from your kids? Running for president and failing. He is such <laughs> a silly person. And I have to say this on TV. He loves Trump so much, but I would hate to see what would happen if he found out that Trump disliked him on a Republican debate stage. Do you understand... Do you understand the <laughs> irony of this young brown man just simping for this old white 6'3", uh, 215 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal? It is so <laughs> interesting. It is, it is. so That's interesting a good that he wants to be the puppet. We want to go with interesting. <laughs> Susan Del Percio and Jay Jordan. He said he has tattletale energy, and I love it. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you, Jay Jordan. You will come back. Susan Del Percio, thank you. And we're right back. <laughs> this note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. That is the actual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on the rampant inequality in America in his famous March on Washington speech, not the whitewashed portion of the speech that Republicans cherry pick every MLK day. One of the biggest defenders of King's legacy is his daughter, Dr. Bernice A. King, who, along with other family members, will be attending the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington this weekend. 
She's also written the introduction to a new 60th anniversary collectible edition of I Have a Dream by her father, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I spoke with Dr. King and asked about how she feels when right-wingers make the absurd argument that her father's legacy is really Trumpism and MAGA conservatism. You know, I've gotten to the place now, I'm 60. Um, I've lived long enough to know um, that there will always be people who will misappropriate, mishandle, whitewash, um, whatever else you want to call it, uh, my father and his words. And what has really helped me in my growth is being a Christian and knowing that people do the same thing with the word of God. And so although I have moments when I first read it, um, I process it, but I know I have a responsibility to elevate the conversation, not to get in the muck and the mire with them. And so my job is to speak the truth and let the truth sit there, not just for them, because there are other people that are also reading. So for the ones who are on the peripheral, for the ones um, who may not be, you know, as you say, the Trumpers, uh, I want to make sure they understand, no, that's not Martin Luther King Jr. This here is Martin Luther King Jr. And oftentimes I may accompany it with something for them to go read. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that you have the actual facts, because my mother used to always tell us growing up, get the facts straight. People's opinion is one thing, but the facts have to be straight. Yeah. And you're a great defender of your mom's legacy, too. And she has an incredible legacy. We have to do a whole interview just about your mom as well at some point. Um, and, you know, and the thing is, is that Dr. King in real life, I mean, he was an admirer uh, of, of Malcolm X. He and Medgar Evers were very much on the same page. And these were all men who were very aggressive in their desire to see equality. The March on Washington was a mm. demand. It was a demand of the Kennedy administration, yes, not a cheerleading session for the Kennedy administration. What do you think that we get wrong in the way that we look at and commemorate the march and what should we do differently? How should we think about that march 60 years ago? Well, I think we have to do as my father. My father saw himself as a defender of freedom, justice, and equality, regardless of who was in the White House, um, friend or foe. Um, because if there were things that the at that time, the Black community did not have, he was going to speak up for that and challenge whatever administration it was. I think we have to remember what you said, they had demands. We, we should always do demonstrations with legislation. You know, they had 10 demands, uh, as you probably well know. Um, and some of those demands over the next couple of years actually were met, like comprehensive civil rights, where, you know, blacks at that time had access to public accommodations. Uh, as you know, the injunctive reliefs when your constitution, no rights are violated. Well, you know, the Justice Department being able to do that, they wouldn't have been able to do that for George Floyd, you know, had they not set the stage for that kind of demand at the March on Washington. So we have to do the same thing today. Any protest, any march, any demonstration, we got to be clear on our demands. I mean, succinct and clear. <laughs> so it's not mm -hmm. mixed. And it has to be a collective, you know, it, it, and on their demand at the bottom, it says support does not necessarily support of the march does not necessarily mean endorsement of every demand listed. So it says to me, at least that group that came together, which initially they weren't all together, as you know, historically, mm, yeah. the NAACP and the Urban League didn't first sign on. Um, but when it came time to the actual march, everybody was on board. And for the most part, most of the demands they agreed to. 
We've got to figure out how to get on the same page, how to create a coalition that gets on the same page, agree at least on some preliminary, some, some excuse me, at least three or four demands, um, and then follow it through. Because this, the March on Washington was not just a march or a demonstration. It was okay. part of a greater strategy. You know, uh, and as you know, after then, the children were bombed in the school. Uh, I mean, at, I'm at the 16th Street Church. But then you had the um, the movement in um, St. Augustine, Florida, which was right. all a part of this. There were things going on constantly to make sure whatever these demands are, we want to see them through. Yep. It's about having a plan, following through, and as you said, demonstrating is a part of it. Uh, but truth is a part of it, too. We're going to have to have you come back on and talk a little bit yes. about that, because there's a lot of fighting about not wanting history to be told, particularly the history of your great father. Exactly. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bernice thank King. So it's much. always a pleasure. Thank you. I thank appreciate you, you. Up next, who won the week? You don't want to miss it. We made it to the end of the week, which means it's time to play Who Won the Week. And who do you think won the week? Y'all know the answer. Fonnie Willis, of course. Duh. That's tonight's readout. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.